Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I found my way back to a higher ground. Yeah, I found my way back to a higher Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Yeah, hello everyone. Jules with you again this Wednesday. Welcome to Higher Ground. Great to have your company wherever you tuned in. SEN 1170 Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast and around the globe via the SEN app. The open line number, should you like to join in on the program, love to hear from you tonight. 1300 1170 and the text line 0457. 736 736 0457 736 736 on the show tonight we catch up with him each and every Wednesday Simon McLaughlin he's the deputy sports editor of the Daily Telegraph he's going to tell me what all the big headlines are on the back pages of tomorrow's telly no doubt a heavy rugby league focus and uh, mulch dog okay the seal will be along as well to keep us company you'll talk a bit of football and run me through the ringer for another bout of agree to disagree. Now, team lists for the prelims, they were named yesterday. And Cowboys, Eels, Queensland Country Bank Stadium, Friday night. It's going to be a beauty. They're well-rested, the Cowboys. Very well-rested, almost at full strength. So he's named the same 17, Todd Payton, who knocked off the Sharks in that Golden Point thriller in week one. And I will catch up with Paul Bowman, the Cowboys legend, on a special high ground edition tomorrow night to get his take on it. I wonder uh, how much of concern it is that they conceded 30. Well, they were just happy with the fact that they earned the win, got the week off, and are now uh, very much going to lap up that home ground advantage. It's a buzz at the moment, Townsville. You know what? You can't get it. You can't get tickets to the ground to the game. You can't get accommodation. And I've heard stories about people leasing their house out, putting it up on Airbnb for the weekend, going to stay with their parents and pocket a cool grand for for no work. It'll work. And there's a stack of Eels fans who are very sad that they couldn't get to the ground into the game because they look at the airfares <coughs> and the prices are insane, like thousands and thousands of dollars, well beyond the reach of your average punter and average rugby league fan. So the good people at Maccas and us here at SEN, we've got the, the SEN Maccas jet. If you've been tuning into the station throughout the course of the day, you'll be across this. It's an eight-seater chartered plane, the SEN Maccas jet, with eight tickets to give away. And I think they've actually given the first one away on, on Joel and Fletcher run home this afternoon. Is, am I right, Alex? It was a marriage proposal? <laughs> I'm not sure how. It might have been as serious as married at first sight, Jules. But uh, oh, right, yes, there was right. a so, marriage so, proposal on air. So this person's got themselves tickets to the Eels and the Cowboys and they've boosted their Insta followers in the process. And got a new fiancé, oh, well. apparently, as well. Oh, she said yes. Okay. Yes. That'll never last. Well, it may last. But anyway, you see my point. So we make dreams happen on this network. Uh, as for the Eels, Brad Arthur changed his bench for the club's first prelim final in 13 years. Bryce Cartwright set to play his first game since round 23. Tom Opacic now, uh, the Queensland centre, uh, named. Uh, we know he's got that hamstring problem. So they'll watch him. If he doesn't come through, as we saw uh, last week against the Raiders, Murata near Corey will shift to the centres. And you know what? If that's the case, uh, there may be a reprieve for Nathan Brown. We know he's on the outer at the club, and there's talk about instability there and, and a breakdown of relationship between him and Brad Arthur. But if Opacic doesn't come through, we may see him on the bench. And he's got Para, Para Penrith, I should say, in South Sydney at Core Stadium on Saturday night. Gee, I'm looking forward to this game. As Charlie Staines on the wing. He'll be there in place of the suspended Taylor May. Spencer Lenu, uh, he's free to play after accepting a fine for the high tackle. Lappy Coruscant has been named in the number nine jersey. We may see that switch again with Mitch Kenny, which seems to have worked well for them. A couple of concerns for the Bunnies. Saliba Havili, he's out with that calf issue. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Jed Cartwright will take his place. It, it'll be his first game, Jed, since round 20. Jai Arrow uh, had a bit of a groin niggle, but I did hear the coach say he was the usual annoying self at training, so he'll be he'll be right to go, Jai Arrow. Campbell Graham, he's had that busted rib. And I'll tell you what, if anyone's... Listening tonight has had a rib injury. You know how painful they are. There's not much you can do about him. You've just got to let them heal naturally. They hurt. They really hurt. So you've got to doff your lid to Campbell Graham for suffering the pain. 
I'll tell you what, his form has been very, very good. The big concern for them, of course, is their star flyer, a try-scoring freak, Alex Johnston. He's got a hip flexor problem. He knew straight away that it was a hip flexor problem. It's not the sort of thing that you can needle up, unfortunately. He's in a lot of pain medication right now, so it's a toss of the coin. Uh, it'll be a big loss for them, certainly, because, as as you know, he's in such prolific try-scoring form, and we know how damaging that left edge is for South Sydney. Dacian Dimitri confirmed that either Josh Mansell, Richard Kenner, perhaps Jackson Parlow were all replacement options. And Parlow was actually the one, remember, who had a horror outing last time against Penrith and, you know, outrageously received death threats and the like. So, you know, maybe there's a redemption tale on the cards here if, if Alex Johnson doesn't come through and doesn't play. And I really want him to play. Now, <coughs> uh, Joey Sawali. Sawali'i, I should say, has pledged his allegiance to Samoa. This news broke late this morning for the upcoming World Cup. Good luck to him, I say. I'll tell you what, I mean, the Aussies are losing players left, right and centre to, to second-tier nations. So from an international perspective, that's that's not a bad thing at all. It's great for the growth of the game. No, he had he did mail the courtesy of ringing him and telling him and, and how much it meant to him. But from all reports, he was almost a lock to get one-wing position, Sawali'i. He's a special, special player. And they're just looking now a little thin on the ground, the Aussie stocks. The question is, who, who's going to start on the wing? Does Xavier Coates get a run? Or the Fox? Or, or maybe maybe you shift Val Holmes to the wing? So who are your centres? Burton could play centres with Latrell, baby, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. But again, like I said, it's good for the international game. And just on that, and Adam Pengilly is reporting in the Herald that Jeremiah Nanai is now the latest who's considering pledging his allegiance to Samoa. Just weeks out from the World Cup, of course, after Suoli'i did that. It's a dramatic day for the World Cup. Now, this is good news. Uh, Lindsay Collins, Jared Warrior, Hargraves are both officially granted exemptions to include warm-up games as part of NRL bans. So it's good news for their respective sides. Australia. And you think it'd get a, it'd be a walk-up start, just about, because there's not a lot of big boppers or big bodies in the front row for Australia and for the New Zealanders. They'll be happy that Jared uh, can include warm-up games as part of his NRL ban. So think about this. So who are the front rowers? Because obviously Papa Lee won't be there. So who starts? Regan Campbell-Gillard, maybe. There's one. Lindsay Collins now that you can serve his bands. During the warm-up games, Tino Fatsumaliar would be another. Let's chat about Matt Lodge. Some people today have thrown Toby Rudolph's name into the ring. But it's going to be interesting to see who Mal goes with. 0457 736 736. So who would you pick on the wing of the Australian World Cup side and who would you pick in the front row? Let me know. <coughs> now, there's also been a bit of discussion as to what the best approach for the Eels is going to be. Now, a lot of people are saying, you know what, you go to Townsville, it's going to be 30 degrees, it's going to be very humid. Uh, why don't you go up four days in advance and acclimatise? And Brad Arthur said, no, we're not doing that. We chartered a flight to the old FIFO fly-in, fly-out. So what he's going to do is 24 hours before the game, get in there. And then he says, don't, just pack a backpack, just pack a light. Basically, it's carry-on luggage, isn't it? No, no check-in baggage for Parramatta. Look, if it works, it's a genius. If it doesn't, they'll hang it on him because they like to hang anything they can on Brad Arthur. But I tell you what, he's made a prelim. It's the first time they've made it for 13 years. And this is their chance, Parramatta. So they've been cranking up the heaters in the indoor gyms to, to replicate what the temperature's going to be like. And I heard BA actually say, well, you know, for all the talk about 30 degrees, yeah, but at game time, it'll be about 23. So we've been training in the afternoons. It's been lovely weather in Sydney this week. So they're training in the afternoons in 23-degree heat. I do their workouts, crank the heaters up. So that's their way of climatising. But the creature's a habit. And he said, this is the way we prepare best. And he'd know. He'd know. So good luck. I think far too much has been made about this. Just quickly in the cricket, uh, in case you missed it, uh, it's a good chase by Australia. It was Matt Wade, a nice finish, 45, not out of 21. Australia 6 for 211. 6 for 211, a reply to India's uh, 208, I think it was. Cameron Green opened the batting, 61 off 26 balls. Long levers. He's a freak, this kid. An absolute freak. So they're over there. It's a long way to go for three T20 internationals. But generally, when the BCCI wants some practice games and they invite you over, you don't really say no, do you? So they're going to fly in, fly out. Not dissimilar to the Eels on Friday night. Do their thing. But it's a nice little fine tune 
ahead of the World Cup. And just on cricket, uh, a couple of rule changes, and this is a big one. No more man-cat. The man-cat is gone. And it's about time, not a moment too soon. So, you know, the man-cat, just to recap in case you don't know, I'm bowling. Alex is the non-striker. And he's out of his crease trying to steal a run. I run him out. I go, oh, no, nah, it's not fair. Call him back, give him a warning. So, well, hang on, he tried to cheat a single. So now that is going to be shifted from the unfair play section of the rules to the run-out section. And that'll be in force in time for the World Cup. So common sense has prevailed, I think. You know, they reckon, too, it's sort of shifting with public sentiment. Now, I remember growing up, they said, no, you, you always give a warning. And now, so we'll stuff them. Stuff them. We've seen it a fair bit. Ashwin, the master of it in the IPL. And I have to say, there's, uh, there's a lot more sympathy for the bowler than there is for the non-striker. Now, just before we get to Simon McLaughlin, uh, this is the big story, really, in Australian sporting circles today. And it's not about the AFL Grand Final. It's about these horrific allegations emerging from this report out of the Hawthorne Football Club. Now, further to that, uh, North Melbourne has confirmed that their incoming coach, Alastair Clarkson's tenure, will be delayed as the AFL's integrity unit investigates serious historical allegations about mistreatment of Indigenous players during his time at the Hawthorne Football Club. So this all happened this morning, unfolded this morning. And a lot of people are calling for Clarkson and Chris Fagan, the Lions coach, his top assistant, to stand aside. And he actually has taken a leave of absence, Chris Fagan, from the Brisbane Lions. Just imagine if they'd made the grand final. Just imagine for one moment they're in the grand final. Now, the North Melbourne Football Club released a statement today and they said they were aware of serious historical allegations made against individuals who worked at the Hawthorne Football Club, including incoming North Melbourne coach Alastair Clarkson. The matter's raised are now with AFL's Integrity Unit and Alastair welcomes the opportunity to cooperate with any investigation relating to the claims. Alastair was due to commence work with North Melbourne on November 1. However... He will delay the start of his tenure to allow time to fully participate in the investigation. And given the matters raised a confidential, the investigation is ongoing. The club will not provide any further comment at this time. So people are basically waiting at the start to see what North Melbourne had to say, what Fagan or Clarkson had to say. And as I mentioned, the Lions did say that Chris Fagan, their coach, is taking a leave of absence. But they also said that Fagan supports and welcomes the investigation. Hawthorne CEO Justin Reeves, their Vice President Peter uh, Nankerville also fronted the press this afternoon. Nankerville said he had absolutely zero awareness about the allegations. Jeff Kennett, former President, is said to be horrified. Absolutely horrified. But he did not attend. So the Integrity Department investigating these shocking allegations. Given the information two weeks ago, it was first reported by ABC Sport. If you hadn't read the article by Russell Jackson, I urge you to do so. I urge you to do so. Now, this review, as we said, alleges that four-time premiership coach Clarkson and, and Fager are involved in some of these cases. Now, apparently the report was commissioned as a result of complaints previously made by Cyril Rioli before he left the club and retired prematurely. The allegations about senior staff demanding the separation of First Nations players from their partners pressured one player and his partner to terminate a pregnancy for the sake of his career. They did change the names in the report to protect the identities of the players. Alastair Clarkson, for what it's worth, has responded, refutes the claims, denies any wrongdoing or misconduct. Clarkson said today he was shocked, Clarkson said today, shocked by the extremely serious allegations reported in the media not interviewed by the authors of the report commissioned by the club, nor have I been provided with a copy of the report. I was not afforded any due process and I refute any allegation of wrongdoing or misconduct and look forward to the opportunity to be heard as part of the AFL external investigation. Now, if you haven't read about it or heard about it, one allegation reported by the ABC was that Clarkson told a player that he he and his partner should terminate a pregnancy. And I quote, Clarkson just leaned over me and demanded that I needed to get rid of my unborn child and my partner. He told me to kill my unborn kid. There are other stories about separating from the partners, using different SIM cards, severing contact with the family. Look, obviously we need to let the investigation play out, but, I mean, where do you go with this? 
Where do you go with this? Because it, it is horrifying and it's harrowing. And you can't give the club or the sport or the organisation a pass on this stuff. You can't simply dismiss it as an isolated historical incident. And we keep hearing this term, historical, historical. The, the, the issue I have with that term is that it subtly puts distance between then and now. It actually wasn't that long ago. We're not talking about the 70s here. And the concern I have is by repeating this, this word, by anointing it as almost a, a discrete historical event, you are turning a blind eye to the structural racism endemic in that sport. So just imagine for one moment that this was Qantas. The bloodletting would well and truly have begun. Sport sometimes gets a soft run and it should. And the AFL were effectively talking about a corporation. It's pretty sickening stuff. You may have a view on that tonight. 0457 736 736. Wednesday evening means it's time to catch up with our great friend Simon McLaughlin, Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telegraph. I've kept him awake again. Hello, mate. Uh, g'day. How are you, Jules? Yeah, I'm good. Awake. Good. You know, pulling the double shift. You know, I'm a team player, mm. as you know. Yeah, so feeling about yeah, it this morning. Yeah, went home yeah. and said, oh, mate, you know, yeah, so I'll, I'll back up, mate. I'll back up. Well, I didn't want to. It was only because uh, I got to chat to you, my friend. Yeah, Good my job. I could always pick up the phone at any time, of course. But uh, no, just before we get to the headlines, I mean, th- this was this was a story that that rocks not just AFL but the mm. sporting community today, didn't it? My goodness. Oh, absolutely, and it's not just the nature of the allegations; it's the two people that are sort of um, alleged to have been involved. Al- Alistair Clarkson is pro- is the great modern coach in AFL football, and. To have this sort of an allegation floating around, it's just staggering. Um, you know, like you say, we have to see how the investigation plays out, but there's a fair bit of a tarnish on his reputation as it stands, I would say. Uh, without question. Um, of course, he's refuted it. Uh, Chris Fagan, likewise, says that I, I welcome this investigation, which, of course, they would say, but, you know, we have to wait the outcome, but I just... You know, is it where there's smoke, there's fire, mate? Because you know you're not going to have allegations in at, with this level of, of seriousness uh, made up or corroborated between three players. I just, I just don't see it. So we need to get to the bottom of it. But uh, you know, if indeed uh, what we read is is an accurate account of what occurred, well, you know that that destroys lives, it destroys careers, it destroys reputations, mm. and. You know, there's no place in the game. Yeah. And this is a thing, and this happens within the last decade, yeah, which is even more frightening. You know, sometimes you think, you, surely we've moved past this, but but evidently not. Mm. Anyway, uh, South Sydney. Well, our, our yeah, chief, I just wanted to add to that, our chief AFL writer, Mark Robinson, uh, has written that he thinks Clarkson and Fagan should never coach again. Mm. Um, it's proven that uh, the allegations are proven quite strong. Oh, that yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think that's that's a given. That is absolutely a given. I wonder also, you know, and maybe it's been a bit extreme. Do you look at revisiting the awarding of premierships? You know, on an integrity level, I suppose. Yeah. So, did cheating happen? No, it's not the Melbourne Storm. But you know, that that may be also a conversation that has to be had. But uh, well, as you said, we'll wait and see uh, the results of the AFL Integrity Unit investigation. Now, we've got a couple of of pretty big prelim finals. Friday night, the Eels and the Cowboys. Saturday night, South Sydney and Penrith, the two grand finalists from last year. But now, South Sydney in their homework, and maybe it's their video sessions, uh, have they they noticed something that the Panthers do that that may or should earn the attention of match officials? Absolutely, they have. We are calling it the Cleary Protection Racket. (laughs) And it Uh, is... It is the tactic of employing blockers to protect Nathan Cleary uh, when he's due to kick. Now, this same allegation rose last year by Wayne Bennett. So the same two teams. And as they come up to a big prelim final, the same allegation has risen again. Now, we heard those heard the rumours that Souths weren't happy about the tactic of, of blockers coming up protecting Cleary. 
we brought up a replay of the Parramatta Penrith game and we noticed in the very first set of six exactly what they were talking about. So that's that's how quick it was. Um, you And if you might want to look out for it on the weekend, you'll see um, on the fifth tackle, you will see either a player like James Fisher-Harris um, or Isaiah Yo, two of the bigger players at Penrith. They will just slowly wander up. They'll wander up, and then for some reason, they'll be standing right next to the play the ball. <laughs> for some reason. Not, yeah. having any, <laughs> not having any reason to be there. Mm. And then you see why. As Junior Paulo tries to rush through first, and then another Parramatta player on another play to rush through, and, and there you go. James Fisher-Harris and Isaiah Yo are standing right in the way. Oh, accidentally, you know. Um, so the, the rule states that... Um, attacking players who loiter in and around the play of the ball to block the path of defenders are to be penalised for obstruction. So the, the replays we saw, it, it looks clear as day that that's what's going on mm. and that if that's the letter of the law, then they should be penalised uh, every time for doing it. Uh, I don't think it's you know breaking news that um, Penrith have ways of um, protecting Nathan Cleary. Uh, I, I recall when Nathan Cleary had a pool game in Origin that the response was that, that Brad Fittler should just pick more um, Penrith players to to uh, block the Queensland defenders um, at the time. But yeah, look, as I say, this is exactly the same thing that, that Wayne Bennett complained about last year. Uh, it's a sign also that Souths are pretty worried about the effects of Nathan Cleary's amazing kicking game. So I also wonder now if, uh, you know, maybe the powers that beat South Sydney have just said, can you send uh, the early edition of the Thursday Daily Telegraph back page to uh, Graham Annesley and just uh, leave it in his capable hands, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, surely he'd be aware of it. Uh, this is the, uh, I'd, I'd be surprised, not that I've looked closely at it, but uh, I might have to next season, whether, mm. you know, is Penrith the only team that does this, I suppose, is the mm. question. Oh, probably not, but uh, they've got more reason than anyone else to do so because of uh, Nathan Cleary's kicking ability. Um, it's such a key part of their game. Um, you stop Nathan Cleary's kicking game and you can beat Penrith, I would say. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I really do urge fans to get on and have a have a replay, a look at the replay of that Parramatta Penrith game. And as I said, it happened in the first set of six. So it's, it's, it's quite obvious. Were you uh, charged with the responsibility of Going through the the game and then pausing it at the key moment. Or? Well, we it's one of the, the joyful things about being back in the newsroom um, post pandemic is that is that we were all piled around looking at a screen. Um, you know, South of course haven't made any official complaints. They haven't contacted the referees or anything like that. But as you say, it is reasonably convenient that it was pointed out to us and that. Uh, we followed up on the story. Naturally enough, it is it is a good story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I am sure Graham Annesley will see the copy of the paper. Yep, good lead. Now, speaking of South Sydney, Lachlan Ilias. Uh, poor kid's had a lot of heat on him, obviously. Um, big shoes to fill with the departure of Adam Reynolds. Uh, said he was embarrassed by Angus Crichton, but he's got a bigger challenge coming his way. Yeah, that's right. In the, in the final round of the season, when the Roosters and the Rabbitohs played, uh, he got shown up pretty badly uh, by Angus Crichton. He targeted him the defensive line, scored a try early and, you know, made several breaks in that game where the Roosters won. Of course, the result was flipped the next week. But, um, yeah, look, we're told that uh, Ilias had sort of told, confided to his teammates that he was pretty down about his performance in that game and and embarrassed about what had happened. There's a really good photo showing the moment where um, Crichton puts a a stand basically in Ilias' face, um, on his way through the defensive line. So the problem is for Ilias, who is a, is a small guy and does often get targeted in the defensive line, is that he's got Viliani Kikau to deal with this weekend, possibly the most terrifying uh, left attacker in the game. Uh, so what, what the Souths do? Well, they turn to Kieran Kolmatangi to help out. Uh, he will be the man to protect Ilias in the defensive line, um, and he knows that that's the key part of his job is him and Ilias being down to the army kicker. I, I love these sorts of battles. I think it's what makes rugby league a great sport. Um, 
you know, in comparison to, say, American football, where, you know, only certain amounts of certain types of players have to tackle and others don't. And in, in league, you get small guys out there having to tackle big guys. And you get these situations. And, and for a coach like Jason Dimitri, he has to sort of weigh up whether um, Ilias is worth it. And, and in attack, certainly last weekend, he, he very much was worth it. Um, sort of South Sydney's attack, everyone talks about their left edge, where it's Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell. But in fact, when they beat um, the Sharks last weekend, it was their right edge that did most of the damage. And that's Ilias' side of the field. Yeah, Tane so, Mill. Uh, he's more yeah. than... More than, yes, yeah, so that's right. He scored a couple of tries and Campbell Graham did well down that side as well. So he's more than holding up his end of the bargain uh, in attack. But yeah, it'll be interesting, interesting to see how he goes for a stop kick out. Now, Mitchell Moses, back to the Tigers, surely not. Well, they're in there swinging. The yeah. West, West Tigers, under that new regime of Tim Sheen, Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrar, have approached the Moses... Well, they will approach the Moses camp, sorry. Uh, come November 1, he will be allowed to negotiate with rival teams. Uh, and West Tigers are using his relation, relationship with Luke Brooks as a, bit of a, as a bit of bait to see if they can get Mitch Moses back. He was... Uh, obviously, the Tigers is the club that Mitch Moses started at. Uh, you remember at the time, it was, I think they were the big four, weren't they, at West Tigers? It was mm. Moses, Aaron Woods, Tedesco. Teddy, yeah. And uh, Brooks. And Brooks, I think, was considered one of the big four. And um, that all fell apart really badly, and the Tigers have really struggled since. Um, it, it, it seems like it's Benji Marshall, who's the guy doing all the talking here, um, reaching out to Moses. Um uh, I believe there's two other clubs interested in Moses as well. So Parramatta has got a bit of a slide on their hands. Um, I'm not sure, sure who those clubs are, but, you know, probably not too difficult to work at. It's clubs that need halfbacks. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, maybe nope. the Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, elite halfbacks, I mean, they're pretty hard to find. And pretty much any, any halfback worth their salt is going to be pulling in a million bucks a season. Well, I, I found fascinating this performance-based clause that he was effectively mm. pushing. So, okay, if, if I win you a comp, you're paying me X amount of money. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's it's very common in pretty much every workplace, you know, have sort of incentive-based incentives built into your contract. You know, you hit certain targets and you get the extra corner. I'm surprised we don't see a bit more of it, actually, on the player front. Yeah, that's right. Well, if he wins a comp this year, he, he, his uh, pay will go up to the million-dollar bracket. Um, and it, it might finally be proof that he's worth it, too. Yeah, yeah, because... good point. Well, this is the thing, you know, the the knock on Moses was he's a good front runner, he's a bit of a show pony, got the skills, but, you know, when when it came to the grind and push came to shove, he's not the sort of guy that would get you over the line and potentially win you a competition. Well, he's not going to get a much better chance, you know, than knocking mm. off the cap. Yeah, Tim Manor said to me the other week, said, you know what, if somebody said to, said to Parramatta fans, you've got to beat Canberra and then North Queensland and make a grand final, he said, that, that's not bad, that's not bad. And that's what they get now, Parramatta. And with a couple of key departures, well, they probably won't get a better chance. You know, there's talk about premiership windows. Uh, you know, it's been open and closed and open and closed. And you never know. You never know. Penrith's still the team to beat. All right, mate. Always good to chat. Thank you so much. We'll catch all of those stories in tomorrow's Daily Telegraph. Cheers, Jules. Cheers. Simon McLaughlin, the Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telly, 0457 736 736. Yeah, maybe an advanced copy. Landing on the desk of Graham Annesley. Just before the break, Steve from Gold Coast says, just to clarify, Kennett is on holidays. All the reports that is here, all the report is that he's here, say, right, it's basically the report's now saying that he's here, um, but that's not true. Get the facts right. No, I, well, I never said that he was here. I said he didn't attend. I didn't say that he was here in Australia. And, in fact, he is on holidays. You're right. And, as I said, he, he's been left devastated by this report. Thank you, Steve. Good to hear from you. 0457 736 736. You're on high ground. Can't keep away from the joiners. I look up to uh, Fox League Channel 502 and it's the worst possible time, 93 grand final, and there's the great pearl, Steve Renniff, steaming away. Ricky Walford got him, got him, but he ran out of room and he stumbled over the ground and that was uh, it's a pretty boring grand final, actually.
Actually, was that 92, 93, 92, was it? No, it was 90, 93 was 14-6. No, that actually was 92. 28-8 it was. Think about it. Dragon scored two try. Walford and then I think Goulet scored the second. And 14-6 was a very boring grand final 93. That was the one I thought, you know, we can get them. I was just happy to make it in 92. It was a pretty decent side. It was a, might have been the bird of Chucky Heron. They got all the points that day. Back-to-back grand final losses. Uh, small consolation, Brad McKay. The, the story goes because Jason Stevens had busted his thumb. And so he was out early in the game and he's whipped off to hospital and, you know, had the thumb worked on. And he had no idea. And he's woken up, he's flicking the TV, and he's see, And the Clive Churchill medalist, Brad McKay, and he thought, you're beauty, we've won. He honestly thought the Dragons had won because Brad McKay had won the Clive Churchill medal. It was one of, the, a rare, one of those rare occasions where Clive Churchill medalist is from a losing side. That's a shame. I'd swap it in a heartbeat. Anyway, eventually the Dragons got theirs in. 2010, which was 12 years ago. It's pretty sad stuff. 0457 736 736. Now, uh, Bonai Jack says, the decision by Joey Suala, he tells me once again all I need to know. Heritage and culture accepted and respected. These blokes don't give a rats about the greatest province on the planet, which I would die for. Uh, little one in New South Wales, I lost so many clutch games and series. Oh, it's a bit of a long bow, though, isn't it? Radley, Luai, Toa, Fafita, you name it. They're not worth a crumpet to the Blues. Wake up, Fiddler. Any player that chooses to play for, I guess, Tonga or Samara is what you're saying, don't pick them. You know where you stand. In Queensland, it's state first. It's interesting you say that. I, I don't agree with Jack. I'll tell you this. Just because you want to play for Samoa or Tonga doesn't mean that you don't give your all when you're pulling that blue jersey. So if it is state first, or maybe they... Say New South Wales is their state, but they want to play for Tonga or Samoa. Does, does it not strengthen the side, though? I've got no problem with it. New Zealanders, no, but at the moment, it's second-tier nations. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Anyway, thank you, mate. 0457 736 736. Give me a call, too. I'm a bit bored tonight. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. In fact, what I might do, I might clear a break and then I'll drag Mulchie in. Wednesday night, of course, back on deck tomorrow, as we were last week, a special edition of Higher Ground because there's no Thursday night footy as we look ahead to the prelim finals. Friday night, the Eels, they travel to Townsville to take on the Cowboys, finish third v fourth. And then on Saturday night at Core Stadium, we've got Penrith and South Sydney. So tomorrow night in the program, 8 till 10, make sure you tune in for that as well. I'll catch up with Tim Grant, the former Panthers player, played for South as well, Timmy Grant and a couple of Origins. Uh, I wonder what he's doing with himself these days. And Paul Bowman, who was a foundation player, 203 games for the Cows. I'll catch up with Paulie Bowman as well. He's part of the organisation too, so you know he can be our official man on the ground and just get a sense of the vibe and, and what things are like in camp. And I'll tell you what, at the start of the year, you look at the preliminary finalists. Parramatta, North Queensland, Penrith, South Sydney. You go, Parramatta, yeah, you could see it. Penrith, definitely. South Sydney, chance. North Queensland, no one gave him a chance. It is the most astonishing season from where they were, from where they were last year, the worst defence in the league, to end up third and be one win from grand final in the space of the year. Todd Payton has done a remarkable job, and the players as well, and the players as well. 0457 736 736, time for this. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. Ah, the seal is with us as he is each and every Wednesday. Hello, my friend. Swimming into the studio. How are you? Swimming into... Well, you know, James Magnuson, I'll pitch this to you this morning because he filled in for Brandy on breakfast. Mm. saying, well, you know, halftime entertainment, grand final entertainment, maybe you could have, like, the mascots racing each other or fighting each other. I said, well, okay. A few issues there, like, well, what's a storm? Um... Where would, where would you find a dragon from? So you could have like a tiger up against a panther, for example. Oh, I see. Yeah. But then say, for example, you have the cowboys against the eels. How would you race them? So you'd have a bloke and a horse, cowboy and a horse, and then you'd have an eel. Would you have like a 50-metre pool or a 100-metre tract of water mm. and then a cowboy, and it, you know, start a pistol, release the eel, eel takes off, and then the, on horseback, you gallop down 100 metres. 2am Tommy this morning on the morning show said, oh, the eel would win, surely. I said, you think an eel over 100 metres would beat a horse on land? No. I don't think so. Just look at the size of it. Mm. As fast as they can be, they're not beating a A human, horse. maybe. Not beating a horse. Not beating a horse. Gonna, I don't know. How, how fast do eels swim over 100 uh, metres? I can't say I've ever seen an eel move with 
particular alacrity. I'm going to Google that. How fast can eels swim? There you go. Uh, the eel can swim it at about 2.5 mile an hour. Yeah, so okay, so a slow. human would win the comfortably on the foot as well. Comfortably. Yeah. What do we know? Yeah, 2.5 to 4.4. So that's the range. So not very fast. Mm. Not very fast. Anyway. Okay, how about we get to this Please. agreeing and disagreeing. Mm. I, I want to steer, steer away from the Sualee and Allegiance stuff. So all I'm going to say is Samoa will win Group A at the World Cup. They're in a group with England, France, and Greece. Uh, I need to have a look at the England squad again. Mm. Um, will they win? I'll go disagree. I'm going to go England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not with any great confidence, I might add. At home, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, but I just think the depth of... How many players have they stolen from the origin sides? <laughs> have they stolen? Stolen. Not doing anything illegal, mate. No, mate. Doing anything illegal. Yeah. Oh, Victor Radley can't play origin yet. First do you, year do, nation. Do you agree with that? I, you know, we... <laughs> no, I don't want English players and New Zealand players playing origin. See, I completely disagree. We no. live in a multicultural society now where people have Too allegiances bad. from Too bad. four different can, You know what, New Zealand, if they want rep footy, they can set up their own state of origin or island of origin, north v. south. For all I care. England can bugger off. Even if Dad's from New Zealand, but you you grow up in a Maori community over here, but you've grown up and lived your whole life in New South Wales, there's plenty of people like that. That's true. Too bad. Mm. Too See, bad. I, Disagree with you on that as Too well. Bad. That's not even one of the That's points. That's not even one. Okay, yeah. here we go. go. <laughs> the heat mm. won't be a factor in Townsville on Friday night. When you said the heat, I said won't be a factor in this year's Big Bash. <laughs> well, well, I haven't, <laughs> haven't really, obscure. haven't crunched the form, mate. I'm still We're in watching footy the mode. Draft. Yeah. yeah, so the Miami Heat and the uh, the heat won't be a. You know, it's interesting. I spoke to Anthony Seabold about this this morning. So mm. Not so much the heat, but just sort of more the, the humidity and the stickiness. Mm. And everything feels a bit heavier underfoot there in Townsville. So it's not as a, you know, because players play in 23-degree heat all the time, but particularly at the start of the season. So I will say no. You think no. It, I, I, Is I, that saying you think the heat will be? No, no, up? sorry. I, I, I don't think it will. So Okay, so yeah. you're agreeing. I agree it won't be much of a factor. Okay. They're, they're pros. I mean, they know how to. Yep. deal with this sort of thing. They'll condition themselves for it. Mm. Yeah. Moving around with sweaty socks. Gross. Yum. <laughs> the Socceroos in action this week mm. against New Zealand. They, I'm going to say they won't win both friendlies. I think New Zealand will get a result in one of them, whether that's a, a win or a draw. Uh, yeah, agree. But, mate, that's, I'm throwing darts here. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Now, that's the thing about friendlies, right? Yes. But New Zealand always tend to like to, what are they called, the tall whites? No, not the tall whites. The all whites. The all whites. So the tall whites are the basketball fans. That's what I meant, the all whites. Mm. Uh, No, they like to lift, don't they, against, well, probably not bigger brother, but bigger Mm. cousin, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. There there was a lot going on in Socceroos camp. There is. We had a horse alongside Graham Arnold. It was a lovely sight to see the great man back. If you want to get away from all the negativity around nepotism and Racism in the AFL. Mm. Just go and look at football at the moment. It's all happy-go-lucky. Lucky. Yeah. Puss and Arnie back on the touchline together. Oh, it's going to be his co-coach. You see. Yes. Not, you're not going to be my sister, and I have too much respect to make you an assistant mm. and mine co-coach. Fantastic. You reckon you just get all alpha on him and just start taking over? Well, he was having saw him in deep discussions on social media today with Aaron Moy. Puss. Who? Puss really? Having a, the a quiet dog. word to... Aaron Moy. Has he played for Celtic line? this year, Moy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started on yeah. the weekend. What that in loss? their loss? Jesus. How do you lose to Motherwell? What's going on? Not Motherwell. Dundee. Was it Dundee that Dundee. lost Dundee. Okay. Mm. How does that happen? Oh, sorry. No, you're right. It was they Motherwell. Did. They beat yeah. Dundee the week before. It was Motherwell. Okay. You're right. But again, how Not does it happen? Not a good performance. Mm. No, it happens. Mm. They'll, they'll win the league still. Yes. Comfortably. Hopefully. Well, they, mate, they put four on Rangers mm. in the first half. They lose to Motherwell. Yeah. Mm. <coughs> Funny old game. It is a funny old game. Now, this week, two of our SEN talents, big week for them both. Mm. I'm going to say I'd rather be Nick Davis than Scott Sattler this week. Uh, uh, Does that okay. make sense? Do you do you understand the, yeah. the position I'm putting you in here? So Nick Davis so being a Swans you, man and Sats been a Penrith man. Is if that you woke up tomorrow in Nick's 
Davis's body for a week mm. or Scott Sattler's for a week. I think Nick Davis is slightly fitter than Sats at the moment. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I, I think I he's still taking that into account. Yes. How many lunches is Nick going to be doing this week? Oh, so from that perspective, yeah. So I'm looking at that because Sats is Sats has obviously got the the Penrith connection, the mm. South connection in a big prelim final week, but Nick Nick has his last quarter heroics against Geelong. It's the first time the Swans and the Cats have oh, ever met in a grand I, final. I'm, I'm going Nick Davis here. Yeah, yeah. That's so, where I'm going to. Yep, yeah, agree. Mm. How agree. many luncheons can you get around in Melbourne? It's big, two public holidays. It's just. Fabulous time to be Nick Davis. Well, wonderful weekend for them, isn't it? Yep. Incredible. And I'm going to take you to tennis because Roger Federer is retiring, sadly. Oh, I just, after... I really feel sad at that. I know yeah. it has to happen. He's just beautiful. It won't be the same. Well, I'm no. going to say Federer versus Nadal is the best individual sporting rivalry of all time. All time. Two in, in individual sport. There have never been two greater rivals and competitors. Oh, God. There hasn't been as pure a rivalry as uh, these two have Well, it isn't, it isn't tennis. Uh, I mean, you know, Djokovic and Dale's pretty good too. Mm. Uh, Roger Raffa, I'm just trying to think. I think about some of the great heavyweights back in the day. You know, like how do you compare that to an Ali Frazier mm. or something, for example? It's, it's a tough one. I'll, I'll say disagree, but I haven't thought of who might be better. I just think that. Contrast in styles. Obviously, I'm not as old as you, so I haven't seen quite Thanks, as much. But, hey, you're not. but still as wise. In my time, just so lucky to watch those two play against each other. Such a contrast in in styles. Such a sort of the flow against the grind, and all these sort of narratives that you can draw up. I don't think yeah, there's any left and right handed too. Yeah, any um, two individuals that have been better pitted against each other. And those two, those consecutive Wimbledon. Finals were yep. two of the best games of tennis I've, I've seen in my life. Yes. Probably the best games of tennis. And Rogers, so, you know, elegant, majestic, mm. just serene. But Rafa, I always said, is, you know, if you pick one bloke that's got to play for your life, I'm going to Dale. Yeah. You know. I would agree with that. Yep. Uh, so there you go. What was our final tally? I think we had three agrees, two disagrees. Okay. I've got to get more disagrees. Uh, just seeing Wally Lewis on this. For me, that's the only king that I would ever bow to, Wally. With deep respect to Charles. The third. <laughs> he had my king, pal. He had my king. So there you go. Uh, zero six eight. He said, uh, "You're a being on to break today, bro." Yeah, I have. I have. You know, I'm a team player. Heard me say to Simon, uh, "Jules, dodgy Queenslander, off the record. Where are you really from, bruh? Don't trot out the usual story." CIA. Well, hang on. What, what's my what's my usual story? Zero six eight. I've said it countless times on this network. I was born in Brisbane then moved to Darwin, then moved to Sydney. So I go for Queensland and Origin, sort of for that reason. But I'm a New South Welshman, if that makes sense. It's probably as clear as mud. Mm. Good on you. We'll take a break. We heard the seal just before the break in our Agree to Disagree high-rating segment. Uh, mentioned Federer and Nadal. Well, just on Federer, uh, he wants to team up with his long-time rival, Nadal, and mate. For the final match of his career, this is going to be at the Labor Cup in London. So the Labor Cup, you know, you've got the... Internationals run by John McEnroe, and then you've got the Europeans run by the great Bjorn Borg. So, Roger, this is going to be his last appearance. 20-time Grand Slam winner announced last week, intended to retire after the tournament at London's O2 Arena starts Friday. His last competitive match, Rog, was lost to uh, Hubert Hercats, the pole in last year's Wimbledon quarterfinal. has been struggling with that knee problem. He will play in the doubles on Friday night. It will not play, not play a singles match in London, doesn't yet know whether he's going to be able to team up with Nadal, but but said that would be the dream scenario. Have we got some audio of the goat? Let's have a listen. You always want to play forever. You know, I love being out on court. I love being playing against the guys and um, traveling. You know, I never really felt it was that hard for me to do. Um, love winning, learn from losing. It was all perfect. You know, I, I love my career um, from every angle. And that's um, the bitter part, the sweet part, was that um, I know everybody has to do it at one point. Everybody has to leave the game. And it's been a, a great, great journey. And for that, I'm really grateful. You haven't decided who your doubles partner might be. I suppose a lot of fans are hoping that you might play with Rafa. Would that be something that would appeal to you? Of course. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I think um, it could be 
I don't know, a unique um, situation, you know, that um, for as long as we um, battled together to um, having had always this um, respect for one another, the families, our coaching teams, we always got along really well. It's maybe a great message as well to not just tennis, but sports, but maybe even beyond. And I think uh, for that reason, it would be great. I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, um, I think it could be obviously a special, special moment. It would be a special moment. Again, I'm just saddened by the departure. And, and as you said, it happens to everyone. It was always going to happen. But, you know, he was just, I mean, Roger at full flight was pure poetry. So, yeah, Rafa's got the 22 and, you know, Novak will get past him as well. But just statistically and on paper, he may not be the greatest, but he was the most transcendent figure in tennis that I've ever known. Uh, in that period through the early 2000s, he was untouchable, absolutely untouchable, Roger. And the thing about it is everyone wanted to be him, everyone wanted to meet him. And Crick Info on the website, uh, you know, they they sort of patched together the videos. You know they asked players, oh, who's the one sports day? Like, everyone said Roger. He was one of the top three or four most recognised athletes on the planet. There was something about him that was almost untouchable. And the game is going to be poorer without him. We should just rejoice in the fact that we've, you know, managed to live in a time with Roger and Rafa and Novak. I mean, 20. Remember when 10 was sort of the level? And then Sampras got to 14. They've absolutely blown that out of the water. And there'll be more to come as well. And he just played the game so beautifully. It's like the way tennis should be played. And we're going to miss him. But you know what? There may be, there are going to be other fine plays to come, but, you know, I, I don't know of a player that would just attract you to a screen the way Federer did. 0457-736-736. That is the text line number. Just away from the mainstream stuff. Uh, Formula One was pretty mainstream as well. Has announced a calendar for the 2023 Formula One World Championship. It's been approved by the Motorsport Council. There's 24 races. That is a jam-packed schedule. Kicks off in Bahrain, March 5. Concludes in Abu Dhabi, November 26. It's going to, as I said, feature 24 races. China, Qatar set to return. And this is the big one, Las Vegas, arriving as a penultimate round for a Saturday night race. Summer break can remain in August. Changes to race dates will see Belgium move to the end of July as a back-to-back with Hungary. The Netherlands is twinned with Italy after the restart. So Australia, April 2. That's when the Formula One circuit hits down under. April 2, that'll be the third on the calendar in Melbourne. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with more. Uh, Bono Jack says, Jules, I accept your point that when Sydney's Islander community pull on the Blues jumpers, they give their best. But then they pull the pin. Freddie and Brandy are clueless. I think Brandy's asleep, mate. He won't be listening. Radley, who, like Hudson Young, is more New South Wales origin than anyone I've seen was my prime example. Where is the mongrel, Freddie? Queenslanders go that extra yard and desire or have that extra yard and desire. Fittler is six from 13 now with all the resources. Quote, New South Wales, they just don't get it. Well, that's what Queensland say. And you say, ditto, the cowards running New South Wales cricket. Okay, but, but what I'll say to that is this, Bonnet Jack. Well, if you think it's some kind of cultural thing that New South Wales don't get at Queensland do, then it's almost, it's irrelevant who actually pulls on the jersey. Is it not? So New South Wales had a lot of success and people look at the numbers and they say, oh, it's pretty much 50-50. Not how many they've won, it's how many they should have won. Look at 95, Queensland won 3-0. They had no right to get anywhere near one victory that series. I'm with you when I say I think Queensland, it means something different to Queensland. All the players in New South Wales will tell you, you know what I mean? But the results don't lie. There's something about it that seems to mean more for the Queenslanders. I'm with you at that 0457. 736, 736. Now, I heard, um, I heard Fletchy talk about this. This chess controversy. Have you been following this? This is quite the scandal. The chess world have been rocked by this scandal between world champion Magnus Carlsen and Hans Neiman. Now, he's a 19-year-old American up-and-comer. 19. So on Monday, Carlsen, he's the world number one. He's one of the greatest of all time. He quit after making just one move against Neiman. This was during an online match at the Julius Bayer Generation Cup. Carlson turned off his camera and then left. One move, bang, turned off the camera, gone. So he defaulted. Now, that comes weeks after Neiman defeated Carlson at the Sinkerfield Cup in St. Louis, Missouri, in a stunning upset. 
Now, after that loss at Sinkerfield, Carlson took to Twitter to announce he'd withdrawn from the tournament. He also linked to a YouTube video of Roma manager Jose Mourinho saying at a press conference, if I speak, I'm in big trouble. I don't want to be in big trouble. So many have taken Carlson's tweet to imply that Neiman had cheated during their match. He says, oh, no, I'm not allowed to say the word, but basically suggesting that he cheated. Because how could a 19-year-old American beat one of the greatest of all time in the world number one? But not only that, the implication, yes, was that Neiman had cheated during the match, but it set off this flurry of wild accusations and rumours about the use of sex toys to wirelessly tip off moves. Sex toys. That can't be right. Gives new meaning to the word porn, doesn't it? Carson's default on Monday took it further, showing the Norwegian grandmaster essentially refusing to play the American prodigy. Now, Morris Ashley is the first black grandmaster in history, a chess analyst said to ins- uh, told Insider magazine. It is a giant mess. Carlson has refused to speak publicly on his defeat to Neiman. His tweet on Monday's shocking default. Has Gary Kasparov, because he's very outspoken politically, has he had something to say about this? What did Deep Blue have to say about this? He'd be feeling a bit blue. He wants everyone in the chess community to get along. Let's run through some sporting birthdays, shall we? 1963, you know, I'm blessed to have seen this Blake bowl live. Kirtley Ambrose from Antigua. 98 tests, 405 wickets. He's got the lowest average for anyone over 400 test wickets. 20.99. Freak. What about that 7 for 1 spill against Australia? Dino said take the wristbands off and... Steve Ward just told him to F off and go back and bowl. What are you staring at, mate? He said, don't cuss me, ma. Devastating. Plays a bit of bass, too, Kirtley. In a reggae band. Sir Kirtley Ambrose, I might add, who's knighted by the late Queen. Uh, Doug Howlett, the New Zealand All Black, the, the flyer, born in Auckland this day, 1978. Uh, back to West Indies cricketers, the universe boss, Chris Gale, born this day, 1979. Australian gold medal cyclist from London, 2012. The great Anna Mears. Happy birthday to you, Anna. Born this day, 1983. And uh, Anthony Dawn. He's Dawn is good. The Gold Coast winger, born today, 1987. Not a lot. On the rugby league front, i got to say. In fact, it's pretty quiet all around on the sporting birthday front. But those are the standouts for the 21st of September. It is 2022. Now, 0457736736. I've got to touch on a bit of football news because if I don't, then uh, the seal will get very angry with me. Ange Postacoglu, he's down under at the moment, the great coach, insists he's in no rush to leave Celtic for the Premier League. As Tim Cahill said, the former Socceroos boss, growing profile of Europe, will enable him to sit back and wait for the perfect moment to make his next managerial move. Well, he's holding the cards at the moment. Now, if you've been following this at all, Postacoglu has been linked to the recent vacancy at Brighton and Hove Albion, since been filled by Italian Roberto De Zerbi. Reports from England suggest he's now been monitored by Leicester because they're struggling a bit this year, Leicester, as they contemplate the future of Brendan Rodgers. And I've got a bit of time for Brendan Rodgers who is one of the Postacoglu's predecessors at the Scottish Champions. It's all a bit incestuous, isn't it, this, this coaching merry-go-round? So he won the double in his first season at Celtic, impressed with his tactical approach in the Champions League. He's 57, making waves across Europe and the UK is Ange. And you think it would be a case of when, not if, that he'd land a gig in England. And now his name gets roped, roped into any speculation about a potential role there. And, and maybe even in the Premier League. Having said that, he spoke to the Nine Papers during his quick visit home. He's here to promote Celtic's involvement in the Sydney Super Cup later this year. And he basically gave no indication that he's looking to shift from Glasgow. And he said, no, no, it's not lost in me, but I don't think it's lost in people. I'm already at a massive football club. And it's a fair point he makes too, Ange. He says, we play in front of 60,000, got opportunities to win trophies. We're in the Champions League. It's a massive club. I'm already at. My ambitions are to bring as much success as I can to this football club. That's what drives me. That's exactly where I want to be. He says, the football world changes constantly. I think if you start thinking too far ahead or or the next step is you miss out on what you're doing. But look, it's music to the ears of Celtic fans. He says, I'm loving where I'm at. You get to play Champions League. And, And you're right, he's not wrong. Celtic's a big, big club. So you might say, does he stick around to try and go deeper in the Champions League tournament? They just don't have the personnel. You know, they went down to Real Madrid, but they acquitted themselves well in the first half and they should have had more than a point against Chuck to Donetsk. They're playing good footy. You'd think, I mean, they put four past Rangers, their main rivals. 
and it's really a two-horse race in that competition. Yeah, they went down to Motherwell, but you know that's a blip. In fact, I think they'll perform better this year than last season. So the question there for somebody like Poster Clogger, okay, if you go back to back, if you go back to back, well, what else does he have to achieve? Two trophies, three trophies. I mean, already he's one of the great coaches in their history after one season, just for the sheer scale of the turnaround. Restoring faith and playing beautiful football in the process. So I'd like to see it. I think it'll happen. But if he continues to have success for Celtic, does Ange Postacoglu, well, he can write his own ticket eventually. 0457 736 736. Possible Samoa team, Suala'i, To'o, Crichton, Tango, Taylor May, Luai, Milford, Papali'i, Farmanu Brown, Junior Bala, Jaden Sewell, Luciano Leilua, Josh Aloye, Hammerside, Tabuai Fado, Francis Molo, Marty Tapao, and Raymond Patella Marino. That's a fair football team. I need to see the footy. I need to see the English team now. DK11, Jules, Frecklework, Respect, Mule Style. I don't know what that means, DK11, but thank you. It was nice to hear from you. Bondi Jack, I agree entirely. Sydney Siders will always have far more diverse activities to live for than the Brisbane Three Heads. <laughs> yeah, what do you got outside footy there for you? 100% correct. You nailed it. So get the mongrel in that field goal, taught them all resign as coaches. You were the mongrel players. You know they need to get back. Bondi Jack, Latrell. Latrell's got mongrel. He'll be back next year. Thank you, mate. Always admire your passion. And DK11, cryptic. Write back to me quickly, DK11, before I go to a break, because I don't want to know what you mean by that. Good on you. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, so elite. You see that footage today, actually? Jimmy Smith on the afternoon program posted that. It just at a local touch footy game at the park, and there he was, Big Joey, just running around. And walked past him the other week, just at the local coffee shop in Parramatta. He's a King's School graduate. He's a tall drink of water. He's not an ounce of fat on him. He's lean, he's light, but yeah, that aerial threat, the kick returns, he's just a really good footballer. Really good footballer. Sky's the limit. He's still so young. He'll play for the Wallabies. I'm almost certain of that. He'll go to rugby. He'll test his hand, but he you know, can oscillate between the two codes as other players have done. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number on the text line, 0457. 736736. Just before we go to the break, we should uh, give a rap to Brody Croft in case you hadn't heard this news. And You know, they say one man's trash is another man's treasure. Remember, he was on the scrap heap. He hit the ground running for Melbourne. They thought, oh, they just churned him out. It's a production line there in this Bellamy factory. How good's Brody Croft? I think it was a game, it was a post origin where so Cooper Cronk was rested and they went to Shark Park and it was a matter of the match performance. I thought, how good's this kid? Eventually get squeezed out by Melbourne, picked up by Brisbane. They thought it was a savvy recruit. A couple of good games, but then really tailed off. They let him go. Well, Brody Croft has snared Super League's top gong. So he made the move halfway across the globe early this season because it was a troubled time for him in Brisbane. He wanted to revitalise his career. He did that at Salford Red Devils. But for him, the 25-year-old was announced as the Man of Steel recipient for this season. Which is basically, in case you don't know, it's the Super League's version of the Dally M. So he beat out St. Helen star Jack Willsby in the former NRL toilet. Well, toilet's a bit harsh. Jay Field, former Dragon and Eel, to uh, claim the highly coveted award. So the Storm debutant joins the likes of current or former NRL stars to pick up the gong, including Jackson Hastings, Ben Barber, James Graham, and Pat Richards. So it's it's pretty elite company. Jackson Hastings, the only current NRL player to win it. But well done. Here is his numbers. 32 try involvements in 26 games. What does that tell you, though? Does that, does that show you the gulf in standard between the two competitions? I think it does. I think it does. But well done to young Brodie Crop. He's only 25. And I wonder if he'll have another crack at the NRL. Dare I say he will. Dare I say he will. And you think after a season of, of being the best player in the competition that he'd be a better and more rounded player than when he left the Brisbane Broncos. And just on the Broncos, Payne Haas has committed to the club for 2023, so they needed some good news, Brisbane. Bit of a shake-up behind the scenes. Terry Madison's gone. There's chat about Ben Teo joining the coaching staff. But further to that, uh, further to that, uh, Payne Haas is not going to play in the World Cup. So we talked about the, the front rows for Australia. He leaves a big hole because he don't have a lot of big boppers. Uh, Rocky, before the break, England haven't named their squad yet. I agree with the Seals. Samoa have them covered. 
I'll be curious. I'm just trying to think at the top of my head. I don't know the England players, but I mean, looking at that side, I mean, Suwili, Toto, Crichton, Radley, Pabali, Luai, Hammer. Oh, that is a very decent side. Do you want their squad name last year? So I'll go back here. Yeah, okay, hit me. Go. Jordan Abdul, Ben Curry, Tom Davies, Niall Evald, mm. John Bateman, Liam Farrell, Zach Hardaker, Morgan Knowles, Cruz Leeming, Matty Lees, Johnny Lomax, Reese Lynn, Paul McShane, Tommy Mackinson, Harry Newman, Mikolai Olegski, Joe Philbin, Danny Walker, Alex Warbs, Alex Wormsley, and you had Victor Radley to that squad. So can you just go back to that agree to disagree that you threw mm. at me about half an hour ago? Yeah. Hit me. Hit me again. Samoa will win Group A at the World Cup. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Rocky. There you go, Rocky. There you go. Look, I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, look – just going off that potential side that it flashed up on the screen in front of me, thanks to NRL 360. I mean, that that side is beating mm. that England team from last year with the deepest respect. With the deepest respect. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you for bringing that to my attention and for clarifying it. Thank you to the SEAL for digging up those uh, household names. <laughs> You're on higher ground. That is us done and dusted for a Wednesday night. Thank you, everybody, for your company, your calls and your contributions. Thank you to Alex. Thank you to Simon McLaughlin. Back to do it all again tomorrow night, 8 till 10. Hope you can join me then for Higher Ground. Bye-bye.